0: Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Witches on a Couch. I am one of your hosts. My name is Nikki and I am a witch.
1: And I'm your other host. My name is Jade. I am also a witch.
0: Today's episode, we're going to be continuing with the newest season of Motherland Fort Salem. So, season two, episode two, Abomination. I'm going to full disclosure this as I have some episodes in the past. First of all, I'm a little buzzed. Same. Second of all, I am a little buzzed because this episode was so boring. (laughs) So unbelievably stupid that this is my reward for sitting down for an hour to watch it. I mean, I feel like there was a
1: few good parts, but yeah, overall, I can't believe this took like 43 minutes to get through because I don't feel like a whole lot happens
0: once again. Literally, like we've said a million times, we watch this on Hulu and we don't have like the premier primest of Hulu. So we still get ad breaks, which is totally cool. But every ad break, I would pause the TV and be like, We still have 35 minutes left or like, I still have 20 minutes left. Like every ad break, I was like, how is there more? Nothing has happened. Why? How long do I have to sit here? Like if I was not doing this episode for this podcast, for you, the people, I would have quit. Oh, see,
1: I read my book actually during the commercial breaks for this one. And I really like my book. So i guess that maybe helped me a little bit
0: maybe we should do our podcast on your book
1: instead i mean it's got witchcraft in it hey sorry wizardcraft he is a wizard they make that distinction is it harry potter it is not okay mark of kings by somebody
0: I've never heard of it, but that actually... The
1: second cool. book literally just fucking came out like three years later. So I'm rereading the first one. So I can then read the second one. Nice. So we open with Rayle and Abigail. They just can't recreate the bomb. They're just plum tuckered out. Alder tells them to stop. Like, it's just not working. It's not worth the effort. Just go join Tally at War College. So... Real quickly, I was super confused because apparently War College is just on the same
0: base? Dude, I have no idea. Literally this whole episode, if you look at my notes, at least twice for page are just question marks of like, what?
1: Alder and Isadora go to the mycelium room. I'm still so confused by the mycelium. They hint that they're going to tell more in this episode and they don't. Alder says, I always feel so humbled in her presence. So it's conscious, apparently, and crazy, but I still don't have answers and I still don't get answers. Um, Recovered from the Camarilla fight, in China, whatever, wherever exactly they were. There's a shroom head. Dude's head covered in shrooms like they found the corpse in the previous episode. So Isadora is gonna dissect it, play around with it, see what she can
0: learn. Since Abigail and Rail can't recreate the bomb. But I was paying a lot of attention to the credits for this weird reason. And I took like note of the director because at the end, they always end credits with directors. And I was like, oh, cool. Like this woman named like Amber directed this episode. I don't know why that got stuck in my head because this episode makes the weirdest camera choices of an episode I've seen in a very, very long time. What? And, and I like it just like weirdly was this like Amber, what are you doing? And the reason I bring it up now is because you said that we cut to the mycelium wall really weird. And it's so weird because we cut from like this like science narrative, like we don't know if we can recreate it and save ourselves scene to like Alder just being like awe-inspired in front of this white wall. And I was like, what is happening here? And the reason I bring it up again is because then our next cut is a weird camera track. Through, like, the rec room of War College to, like, our main trio sitting at breakfast. And I was like, that was a really weird choice. That was a really weird choice. This, this show has, this episode has a lot of weird choices that I don't understand.
1: What well, kind of? But also, like, that's not the weirdest transition between an opening and the next shit. I feel like you're being extra dodgy. I but, Like, the CW fucking loves to do that shit. That's fair.
0: I, I don't know why it hit me so hard this time. Because I feel like they do a lot of weird cuts in this show. But the fact that this time I weirdly was like, this is strange, means that was a little more amplified than I'm used to. Like, then the maybe, maybe Witches of East End has made me gullible. I don't know has softened me to their horrible transition choices. But uh, here we are, we transition. So we do a weird track shot where we just are with the camera through a rec room of War College for reasons. We get to watch some girls play with some tops and do some scrying with a pendulum. And then there's a fireplace. And then there's a few tables where the trio is sitting and eating lunch. The girls are really excited because now they are finally in war college, which is what they've always wanted to do since, you know, freaking season one, episode one. And Tally asks, like, who they're going to be with for this, and Abigail says that that's maybe what they call their coven, and every coven is named after a war goddess. This brought up more questions for me of what the hell the religions are like around here, but who knows? I The question of our lives here is like, who is the goddess they worship that they always say, oh my goddess, too? There's then talk at the table that the girls only were in war college because certain people might have pulled strings And that gives them a bad rap and people are going to look at them poorly because they're kind of notorious at this point for being troublemakers and the like. And at some point, there's just uh, this bald girl who's like sitting on the couch staring at them, Um, a.k.a. my favorite character of this episode, (laughs) Minus Anacostia. But she's just kind of like looking over at them and Raelle has like a full out outburst and like slams her fist on the table and is like, what are you looking at? And the girl just smiles. She just says what? All challenging like. She's she like a full on like she's not having this shit outburst. I just loved it because the ball girl just smiles. It's like, wow. Wow. And just turns around. And I was like, okay, that was good. That was really good. I like that too. So
1: I was like, hashtag me. Yeah. For a bald girl, honestly, I feel like if I'm caught, like I'll just smile away. It was
0: really, it was a really good scene. It was one of the few scenes in this episode where I was like, all right, that was good. I also think this is just in the back of my mind. I did not fact check this. I think the bald girl is also in the boys season two she has a uh, bit slash maybe reoccurring part in the future i know my co-host is not fully through season two so i do not want to spoil things for her but i i think she's in that show too in which case i'm like all right you i see you and i'm excited other than that, they are just kind of chilling for lunch. And then we see the vice president's daughter, aka Penelope, aka I will probably keep forgetting her name, sitting at a table by herself as they're all like, oh, she must be so lonely here before we just cut away because that's we're not going to actually look at that. That was just a fun fact.
1: So we cut over to Scylla and Rayle's mom, whose name I still don't know. And will forever be known as Rail's mom, even though it's so lengthy. (laughs) I just have her as mom, capital M. In my notes, I actually put R mom, like the letter R. Oh, that's clever. Still is reporting. She hasn't really learned, basically, a ton of hard details about whether or not the Camarilla are leading these rallies, the victim rallies or not. However, she... She's discovered these two people, Bonnie and Shane. Bonnie seems a little lonely, so she's going to be f- friends with her. They seem pretty connected. They seem to know when the rallies are going to happen for anyone else. So, climbing up that ladder. And, uh, Rail's mom. Okay, but if you become her friend, don't get too attached. Remember how that went? But, like, she says it in an actual kind of nice motherly way. It was an interesting like as far as she could go, it's not the most motherly, but I thought it was an interesting little moment right there.
0: Honestly, Rail's mom and what she talks about in this scene is what I mean by the fact that I have 10,000 question marks around this episode because nothing adds up. Well, know so
1: yes i'll finish this scene please Rhea's mom goes into basically why she joined the spree um she remembers when Rhea was 10 she spent all of 18 days at home that entire year which she thought was bullshit she married a regular civilian human so the military was punishing her for not marrying another witch kind and just kept sending her on tons of missions. She got really resentful. And basically that is why she joined the spree. She had just planned. And then unfortunately kind of backfired on her. So she ended up completely being out of her daughter's life. But that's a regret she has to live with. It's basically what she says. So I'm not sure what else you're talking about, Nikki.
0: So this is, this is why I got really confused in this conversation and just this whole episode. <laughs> so when she's talking about this and she's like, that's why I joined the spree was because I didn't want to keep being away from my family. And that's why I then felt like I must stay away because I knew the Camarilla were coming and that Rael would be safest in the military when that happened. But I thought we established she didn't know about the Camarilla until the soccer arena event, which was way late into season one. Yeah,
1: I, unless I missed something, I don't think she said anything about the Camarilla. She brings up the Camarilla.
0: She 100% brings up the Camarilla. Okay, I'm going to fucking rewatch this scene because damn. Yeah, it's really weird. She's like, and then I realized the Camarilla were returning and I knew Raelle would be safest in the military. So how could I stop her from pursuing that? And I was like, what? Wait, how long did you know about the Camarilla? Because I thought like this was brand new information. And I was super lost as like Scylla just nods along all knowingly. And I was like, that is not what happened. That's not what happened
1: all right moving on because now i don't believe you and uh we're gonna get really into it
0: oh my god literally so, i will say, i will pause this recording to have you re-watch this scene <laughs> that's what i was just fucking contemplating okay but... let's do it so first of all i got to prove my point on this we took a pause to read no you
1: fucking didn't you said this was why she joined the spree this no, I, I
0: said this is why she let Rail join the military, which was still far before no, the soccer no, team. No, yes, that's yes. not what she said. She said,
1: Once I knew the Camry returned, that's when I thought she might be safer in the army. This is why she left her in the army. She was trying to break her Rail
0: out of the army when the balloon attack happened at the wedding. Okay. That is very fair, because I literally forgot that was a subplot of season one. So I am redacted on that. That question mark is solved. That's why this podcast exists, people, for me and me alone. Just to pettily <laughs> prove Nikki fucking wrong. Hey, I'm actually happy to be clarified on this one, because I have 10,000 questions on this episode. So. See, this is why...
1: You don't drink while you're watching.
0: I wasn't drinking while I was watching. I wish I was drinking while I was watching. Mm-hmm. It would have made my life so much better, but obviously instead, not. I was taking notes, like a good. Same, and faster. I still got the right lines right. You didn't even know they talked about the Camarilla. No, I didn't. Because... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so together we figured out the scene. It didn't actually technically matter. <laughs> it takes two. Full adult educated minds to figure out this scene. Genius. Fuck yourself. All right.
1: Cut over to the introduction of their coven leader. I'll check. So this scene kind of got me too. Because like multiple times, like I paused it. And then I counted and then I played it and then I went back and double checked because there's like seven fucking people that just joined war college. And I get that. It's just like the segment company, but I'm still like, it seems like so many more people got war college on their medals at graduation at the end of last season. How many fucking companies do they have? Why are there only seven people? That seems like... I don't know. I was expecting so much more.
0: I mean, I think this is something we brought up end of last season, where when they do have the medal ceremony and it's like everyone cheers and is excited except for the main trio. And we were like, wait, did everyone go into war college? So is it like not that hard to get into? Like... How do you just have frontline infantry troops then? Like, I think we brought this confusion up before and it just sticks. Plus, I'm, I'm throwing it out there again. Director, Amber, weird scene, weird cuts. Did not like it. Screwed with my notes. Yes. This coven leader is M.
1: Perfect for my notes. I love her. I love her um, so much.
0: I don't have graves around much anymore, so like M is just gonna have to fill that slot. I miss Graves. M's a good replacement though. I Thank like you. M. Thank you.
1: Um uh, kept graves thinking together? of like the Bond movies with Oh M. yeah. Q. There is an M, I swear there to an M as well. <laughs> I can't remember enough at this point. Because, yeah, Q is the tech dude.
0: Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Dave is not M. I think she's supposed to be. It's the boss. Okay. Yeah. So there's Q and M. I don't know why I just said Q. Because, again, I was going through my filing cabinets and the card came out. It was like Q. (laughs) I was like, you will regurgitate this information. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. alcohol. (laughs) We figure out that M is the bald chick. And I don't think I'm going to have graves this season who you all know I'm the leader of her fan club. So I'm, I'm probably going to have to have M instead, which, you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. We're fine. I like him. I do too. Um,
1: (laughs) But so she, you know, introduced herself. Yeah. You'll have some, your core classes together, but for the most part, you'll be doing your individual specializations. Um, makes a crack at Rails' hair <laughs> and like you know you're you're not gonna have time to be doing your hair between everything still it like directly looks at Rails, which was really funny Rails does she
0: have the most intricate hairstyle she does yeah.
1: and it's I think it's especially funny because M is buzz cut <laughs> so just that juxtaposition and I'm like, is this a new relationship but it can't ha- be because it's like superior to that's inappropriate us so all get out.
0: I had the same thought, literally the scene where she just smiles at her when she's like, what? And like she just smiles, I was like, oh she flirty. like oh <laughs> I I had the same moment where I was like, are we gonna replace Scylla because I'm fine with that. And if we're replacing her with M, I am thrilled by that. Especially because, like, yeah, she's the superior. But it just kind of seems like she's the superior in the same way, like, Abigail's their, like, trio lead. She's still a war college student, it appears. She's just, like, head of their regiment. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's valid. So I was like, okay, I'm okay if it's, like... it's just she's kind of like president student council like that's a priority i I don't give a shit about it's not like she's a teacher and this is a weird pretty little liars moment yeah so i'm you you bring up that reference a lot it's because i watched pretty little liars for one season in high school and i really liked it and then i was was gonna say
1: apparently
0: yeah and that was really over it by season two season one was a good time though um, but I do, on the down low over here, start shipping L and M. I think they'd be so cute together. And, you know, we talked in length for a full season of a podcast about how toxic Scylla is. So, True. True. New relationship, I'm there.
1: Uh, as the group is leaving, Abigail stopped by a man who she says, hi, Gregorio, and then walks right on by and when Tally gives her a questioning look, says later. So she'll explain later. The mystery continues. M holds Rail back a second. And we do this interesting little flip between scenes for this one. M asks, I kind of like this. So don't give me that look, Nikki. M asks Rail to hold on a sec. Cut over to Isadora, who's now taking the glasses off that shroom head. Apparently, the eyes are still working because, like, you see recognition of, like, oh, finally. And then, like, is frantically looking back and forth before the mycelium grows over the eyes now that it's exposed to air, which is creepy. Cut back over to Rael apologizes for basically snapping at M earlier when she did the challenging what because she was staring and laughs it off i was staring mm-hmm. so you're fine she's just curious what all the fuss is about because rail's reputation precedes her as Raelle talks her response we cut back over to isadora and the shroom head and the shroom head Is like so we know what's happening. In Rail's voice is saying what Rail sang to M. It's creepy. I didn't even write down the lines because I was just so focused on like what the fuck are they doing. Um, But it all ends with Rail's done with secrets. So it was interesting.
0: It's hella weird. It's hella weird. It. I I think the reason why I did not like this cut structure, like you said, you found it interesting. I did not. I found this very disconcerting. And I was like, just settle on a scene. Settle on a scene. But I think it's because we just introduced M and we'd had like kind of a bit of buildup to her. So I really wanted a scene that focused on like what M and Rael how they're going to be interacting with one another as we go forward because m is now a named character and we're probably gonna have to like know what this gal's about so i was like oh it'd be really fun if they could have like a really intriguing back and forth conversation i was looking for like a wendy scene from this from witches of east end i don't know we cut back from this horribly cut scene amber once again looking at you hon to back to the trio who are now unpacking in their new dorm room in war college which is apparently in the same place as basic and has very similar room structure and really we were just recycling sets and
1: Um, excuse you universal has done that for like 25 years you can definitely tell don't give them too much shit for recycling sets.
0: I am giving them far more shit for the editing of this episode than recycling sets. I All enjoyed right. recycling of a set. I am just saying it makes the layout of this sport far more confusing. We don't know where they are. <laughs> True. True. So as Tally's unpacking, she kind of gives Abigail the side eye and is like, "So, uh, tell us about Gregorio." Gregorio is a mystery to me as well, if we're being honest, because Abigail has an explanation for him. He was her more or less escort of her day of debut that uh, Libba had stolen from her for like the event, which we talked about back in season one as an offhand reason of why we didn't like Libba. I'm kind of shocked it's coming back. So I'm giving them props for that. I was like, oh, right. I remember that. That was a thing. But then Gregorio just kind of burst into the room. is like, Lima didn't steal me. And I was like, all right, dude, calm
1: it down. He's not a possession or a thing to be possessed or however the fucking phrases." is. Yeah, but... he says
0: he's not a possession. Oh. But then, okay, this is the worst part. After he says that, he starts to chuckle. And I was like, why are you laughing? Well, yeah, so it's mildly
1: awkward now. At the end of the scene, I think it was
0: the most awkward. But let's get to the
1: meat real quickly before I get to the end.
0: So he talks about the fact that Gregorio and Libba were apparently dating in secret when he got told that he had to escort Abigail to her debut. So them getting together at this party was actually something that they kind of planned because they'd been dating each other for a long time and he really liked Libba but then like the families didn't like each other or something like that it's very strange This is very weird it's all happening in the girls dorm room I don't know why we're talking about it but following this Tally then says oh and now you're a male witch in war college that's really cool and he has another random outburst where he's like I'm just a witch and I was like I don't know what's going on here and I'm very uncomfortable yeah I want to leave this scene more than Tally
1: gets all you know tongue-tied and like oh shit I'm sorry but then he breaks out laughing and She always says uptight. I was like, well, it's kind of an awkward situation.
0: Why are you in the room?
1: Because he tried to say hello to Abigail earlier and she brushed him off. So now he's following up. They just make it convenient timing.
0: Like a creeper. I also thought this was a valid question because I was fairly certain. Again, these are the question marks of my page. That there were no male witches on Fort Salem, that's why season one, when the boys come to visit, it's a big deal. So Tally asking this question, I was like, "Oh, cool, we're gonna like answer like why he's here and why there this doesn't mesh up with everything we know about this like fort." And then he just has like an outburst and starts laughing, and I was like, "Or he's psychotic, and um, I don't know why we're here either." cool i mean
1: i can see there are a few male witches but you know they're just kept over their war college so essentially they're non-existent to the rest of the base i mean there's only ever like four buildings they go to between classes and their
0: quote-unquote downtime well we did like um, back during the Beltane episodes it was like a big deal that all these like the male witches were going to come visit from their college and it was like a big deal we had the buses we did Beltane it was like oh there's like sexual energy everywhere now that Tali feeling we dove into this that like the male and female witches are kept apart yeah for the most part there's I- exceptions I get that. I think it was really weird that they were then like trying to act like they didn't set that up for two episodes in season one because they apparently just wanted this actor slash character to be in season two and we're like well what if we just like laugh about the fact he's there and then we don't have to explain why the fuck he's here. And everyone was like, that's genius. And (laughs) we'll do this like stupid thing where, you know, Tally's awkward. We'll make her feel more awkward. And I was like, I don't like any of this. It was a valid question. And I, as the viewer, am sad. I don't like this episode at all. I can tell. We cut away from this horribly awkward scene to a more horribly awkward scene, in my humble opinion. Yeah. I, I literally bracketed all my notes for this scene and said, why the hell is this in here? I do not know. To this To this hour, to this day, I have no clue why someone was like, this scene is genius, keep it in i put a very similar note for mine it is the biggest waste of my time i have had in a tv show in a bit in like a minute
1: i literally i'm sorry you know what you gotta no, please do i wrote i didn't take any notes for it i wrote alder typical dumb speech that was it my and note- i went, i wrote down um
0: m talking a little deeper my that notes is it. Literally, start with General Alder is speeching again. Like I, she's burbing at this moment. So let's just go into this trash of a scene in this.
1: While <laughs> I was watching it, show. I was like, she's making this big old grand speech. It's like
0: there's fucking eight people in front of her. Not even. So there's like this is directed to like five people. This is directed to not even their entire coven. It is the trio. So, Rael, Abigail, and Tally. Gregoria. Don't know how he ended up in here as a big fucking deal, but we're going to make him a character, goddammit. And M. M is the only good reason why she would be there is because she's the regiment leader. So I was like, okay, yeah, of course M would be there for, like, consultations. Cool, 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 cool. But it is the dumbest speech where General Alder just keeps power tripping and talking about how... Everything they learned is to now destroy the Camarilla and they are their ancient enemy. It just recaps every speech that Alder has ever given us more or less. But then decides to end it on this weird like personal speech note to the main trio. So to Tally, she's like, you must constantly be seeking the truth. What fucking bullshit is this? Right?
1: That's what I thought. But then her next few lines especially are just like, what the fuck are you going on about, Alder?
0: She I didn't even write down the next few lines because I was just like, What bullshit is happening here?
1: I didn't actually either, but it's just to the effect of like, um uh, there's one part I kinda wrote down, but um she goes on more about like yeah, seek the truth even if it might be harmful which is the exact opposite of what she's been doing this entire fucking time because she only wants her truth not anybody else's um but then she also goes on about like the principles of their witchcraft society and their service which when the fuck has this ever come up before I, and there's a couple that, like, honestly, I didn't, I didn't write that part down. But yeah, are good tenants apparently stick through them. But the part that gets me is the secrets, which apparently was
0: in their original oath. But I didn't care to go back and read it me or neither. watch it. I was like, I'm taking your word on that one, Alder. I'm not, I'm not going back to episode one. Right.
1: But uh, this one, yeah, this part I did write down. All secrets keep is apparently a very big principle in their their world, I guess, their military training, because it is in their original, like, acceptance speech. But again, I'm like, although you just fucking contradicted yourself.
0: I, this like whole I, scene I think, makes no sense.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to, I think it's supposed to be, like, keep it in the witch community, and don't necessarily tell anybody else. But at the same time, I'm just like, you, you can't Keep all the secrets and have a functional society and seek out the truth always. That's not how anything works. What? We,
0: within, let's say, a week, a week of Showtime, within a week of their world, we have gone from Rael, Tally, and Abigail being punished for conspiring against Alder. And, you know, staying with Petra and Abigail's family because they are very aware of the fact that Alder puppeted the president of the United States to retain power and control at any cost to I'm going to risk your three lives because you know what? If you die for me, that's just the one more great moment to, for me to now this we are a legion of families and you two are really the key to everything and we should have a heart-to-heart speech moment because we trust each other as witches and obviously know the values of this relationship we hold what the fuck is going on in this show we were building to a coup and now it's like oh no Alder is perfect and understands our three heroines more than anyone else here. No she fucking doesn't. We've got different problems now. Oh god I hate it so much. Because yeah. I, I like I do kind of like that plot line that's played out a lot where it's like enemies that have to come together to defeat a bigger enemy. I'm, I'm a sucker for that plot line. That's a fun time but what makes that plotline fun is that the enemies still don't really want to be working with each other so it's like fun to see like the tensions and like the little arguments and the snippets where it's just like i still don't really like you i don't really like you either but here we are like it's it's a good time there but now it's just like no 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 we have overcome our attempted coup and um, puppeting of the president situation. Now we understand each other deeply. Like what? Uh, This scene is such trash. This episode is such trash. I I have no faith in season two at this point. I was literally watching this episode and I'm just going to admit it people. I broke down and was like, how upset would people be if I just decided to quit this show? Like, we just were like, you know what? We're not doing Motherland for Salem anymore. Uh, not this podcast. Okay. I enjoy this podcast. But, like, just Motherland. If we were like, you know what? Fuck Motherland. And just quit something else, like, three episodes in. That's how much I hated this moment. I have no words. Move on. <laughs> Move on. That's well, all I sorry. got. That's, that's the okay. end of the
1: scene. It's- well, with the all secrets keep and the end of her speech, Alter's, like, high banging the trio. Let's be honest. Um. <laughs> so after all their leaves Em's like oh you guys got the dirt give it to me what the fuck happened tell me everything and Abigail pretty sure this is the secrets we keep it just metaphorical middle finger
0: as they walk out I loved it I'm, I'm saying it here. Saying it now. Rayel and Em are too good for this show. <laughs> <laughs> they deserve better. We'll see.
1: <laughs> uh, cuts over, though, to now. Isadora is opening the skull cap of Shroomhead to expose the brain. Well... It's not really a brain anymore. It's the fucking mycelium. The exact same stuff that's from the wall is his brain. Long story short, figures out that when Rail touched it, she's one of the few people apparently to touch the wall and walk away basically unscathed. So they're still connected. The mycelium is, again, some sort of Sentient thing, thing because always like she colonized a body halfway across the world from her, and I was like, You're talking about Rayelle? She was right there, but then I was like, Oh, you're talking about the mycelium did that.
0: Oh, and I then, have, yeah, I was very confused with this scene as well because I'm like, Okay, so the mycelium's like a conscious personified pronoun thing that's apparently very dangerous upon touching will oftentimes kill people. Maybe we should put up like a rope. You know, just between people in the mycelium so they're not like doing what Rael did. That's like, hey, you know, like we do with art museums, like just a nice velvet rope. That's like, hey, do not touch. Thank you.
1: I mean, I kind of get to the fact that it's in a necro building that pretty much no one knows how to get into unless you're a necro student. Or you happen to very closely watch the necro students going in. Because in the middle of the forest it doesn't look like it has any doors or anything like that. You have to find the secret entrance. And then because Rayel found the secret entrance by watching and then went in unescorted, like it's there's not that many Necro students. It's very easy to just tell everybody to fuck off. Don't go down this hallway. And honestly, they're probably learning a little bit about it too because they're Necro, so it's the creepy stuff. I I mean, they're still only- so like the situation though, that some quote unquote normal cadet is going to figure this shit out. It's pretty up there. They don't have to put shit because the odds are in their favor.
0: I just feel like you know we surround this like all powerful all killing thing with 18 year olds and are like you heard me verbally this day do not touch it I would not trust that I was like a TA for a bunch of 18 year olds once and I was constantly like let's reiterate what we talked about at the beginning of class about not playing with fire okay it's a basic human instinct this is different I isn't <laughs>
1: It is. It is. <laughs> I mean, like it also is basic human instinct to um not believe people when they tell you something like, oh hey, that stove is hot. I don't believe you until I fucking burn my fingers on it. But but there's way fewer students. And I mean honestly, like Scylla is a sophomore cadet, I think. I and, I have no idea how the school is structured at this point. So she's definitely not a first year, she's not a senior when she's hanging out with rail so i i'm sure like the newbies aren't allowed in this building
0: why you gotta like logic my joke it was a good joke
1: it was not that's why i'm logicing
0: it you bitch i'm just saying well fine i'm out of booze so
1: now i have to
0: i would have touched it well, Even if a teacher had told me not to at eighteen, I would have been like, "You're not the boss of me," and I would have gone and touched it and died. There's that's a lot on you their hands. That's a natural
1: selection at that point. Here's your Darwin award. It's confusing, for sure. I'm glad that we got a little bit more information, but I still want more. Cut away. Scylla is at another rally. It's at the mall that she perform the attack on so she's having weird remorseful flashbacks going through all the victims so much memorabilia speeches Jane gives a speech about basically witches are shit they don't care about us regular people and then who of all people gets up to speak next Quartermane. And Acostya
0: Quartermain. God, we love her. Can I also was- just say Shane's speech was like 20 seconds? He's literally like, Witches don't like us and we don't like them. Jerks and then just like leaves. And I was like, Great speech. Yeah. You had then, like, like
1: three sentences. Right? So there's like some dead time. And then Quartermane comes up and I was like, was this planned? Or did she just <laughs> steal the mic?
0: i don't think he Um, had much but they were like we allocated you like 20 minutes for a good speech and he was like i said my piece and just like walked away
1: uh so quarter very convincingly her parents died in this attack they didn't i believe that the you know the story she told still at the beginning uh i mean at the end of season one is the truth but who really knows because Quartermain's awesome. Um, she
0: does such a brilliant performance at the mic though. Like, she does. She's oh very God.
1: convincing.
0: Um,
1: after her speech Oh actually I'm sorry. Get ahead of myself. During her speech she gets a few digs at Scylla and like they keep cutting back between Quartermain like apparently looking at Scylla and then they flash to Scylla getting all squirmy. But like part of her speech, she didn't write down the lines. I apologize. Um basically I hope that the witch that did this feels remorse. Like, does she feel remorse? Does she think about it at all?
0: Is there any humanity left in her? That was the part that I wrote down where it was like, I wonder if there was ever human, like humanity left in her or something. And I was like, oh! No. Burn! Like, and then they like cut to Scylla looking pissed. And I was like, yeah, Anacostia, you are also too good for this show. <laughs> um,
1: after speeches, Scylla and Quartermain are like, very quietly, but also very hostily, like, what the fuck are you doing? What do you think you're doing? Stop horning on my business. Stop horning on my business. You're lying. Yeah, so so are you. Quick, quippy. Like this is a dumb scene, but I just I like it.
0: It was so um, well played though, because they also have like such a history. So just doing like a quick scene where it's like, I still hate you. I still hate you too. Great. Like was it was so rewarding. We we're like, yeah, they do. Yeah. that's how <laughs> felt. Uh
1: quartermane very smoothly. I fucking I just I continually love Quartermain. Who doesn't? Side characters for the win. I'm telling you. Graves. <laughs> Sorry you chose the wrong horse. I still love her. <laughs> <laughs> she was cool. We'll admit. Thank you. Ascilla introduces bonnie and shane the two leaders she's trying to get close to because they you know come up what do you two know each other oh uh yeah we've totally you know met at a few different rallies so quarterback really good at playing again the victim guys you know what i could use a drink how about y'all basically so they all go drinking Bonnie Shane, Scylla, Quartermain.
0: I do like in this scene, there's like the moment where, when they're still arguing with each other about how much they don't like each other. Um, Scylla's like, well, why don't you just arrest me? You've been tracking me for like days. Why just, just arrest me already? And is like, at first that was the plan. Then I got curious what the hell have you been up to? And now I realize you're tracking the Camarilla and I want to be in that shit. And I was like, oh, Anna Castia.
1: <laughs> Too smart for her own damn good.
0: Right? It's just like, and it works so well for her because we like, that's so up her alley. That's been kind of like her arc from season one has been like slowly turning away from the military for what she considers to be the right thing to do and now it's like military wise I should arrest you but that's not what I'm gonna do because that's the wrong thing to do so we're gonna figure this out together even if we hate each other and that's what I like to see that's the villains coming together to defeat a bigger villain that I want to see more of that's like not happening on Fort Salem But we cut away from Anacostia stealing the show to literally also kind of a throwaway scene. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, who is the editor here? I I have one bullet point for this scene. Penelope, these daughter gets off the phone. She's crying. Tally's like approaches her and goes, oh, my mom and I, when we're on the phone, one of us always ends up crying too, and then they just share a sad look and part ways. Did we Did we not
1: have enough time for this episode? I'm telling you, man, every scene with Penelope is just to build up to, I think, a final line near the very end of the episode, just so they can sort of build up to a different
0: subplot. It's so stupid. I don't care That's about it. Penelope. I have enough characters as it is to worry about. I don't need Penelope as well. Like there's there's arguably too many characters. I, I don't want more. <laughs> but we cut away from this absolutely stupid scene to the coven, which is taking their first class. So the trio and their coven in Mother Tongue. was also stupid that's what this whole
1: fucking scene is so awkward basically unnecessary and like comfortable i think they tried to make a cool funny
0: slightly awkward teacher dude and it just turned out super awkward no he does not have the presence to pull off this scene like he is not cool enough like they tried to make yeah hip geek and it just Mm, sorry it failed horribly i was so uncomfortable and again this scene means nothing like we don't need this scene
1: <laughs> yeah we don't um it's to establish that adil is awesome yeah which we know and uh this one teacher apparently that's that's all i felt who i hope we never see again same sorry no. dude you did a cool job acting but
0: no, no you did please- not
1: no, for for the role he was given, I think he did well. Sorry, it was a shit role, but he himself was fine.
0: Honestly, the the moral of this episode is if you'd given it to me, I could have cut this episode down to 15 minutes of actual useful shit. That's not how we make money, nigga. Uh, true. Uh free form come for me. So, the trio and the Coven and Adele who has been invited to sit in on this class are in mother tongue class. What is mother tongue, you might ask? Something that does not matter in the least is the answer to that, because we are now trying to very quickly bring it up. It is apparently the traditional language of the witches. Adele speaks it fluently. It is the root of all languages, and as I believe Rael points out, is really only used for traditional ceremonies in The Hague these days. There's not much use for it. Like it's not very important to modern combat or modern practices. to which this weird younger geek teacher that we were just talking about, like, has a weird moment where he, like, freaks out on Tally and starts yelling at her in mother tongue. It's so uncomfortable. I just, I wanted him to step back so hard. I was like, dude, if I'd been in that class, if I'd been Tally, I would have just walked out of your class. Like, I don't need this shit. So, uh, yes,
1: that cracked me up because they go on, (laughs) like, it's... They say that it's the root of all languages and then it fucking sounds like Klingon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a what i honestly it was like
0: bit. it's very heavy what the hell yeah and then the only tidbit of information which is kind of cool from this is um adele speaks it fluently it's the language he grew up on and because of that he can speak fluent english i never questioned why he spoke english this was not a question Same. you had to answer i was just like ah this guy speaks english so i could watch the show cool like there there was this was not a driving problem in the arc of this show that needed this entire uncomfortable scene to solve
1: yeah oh agreed
0: i hated it so much this was another moment where i was like could i just say i'm not doing this show anymore Yeah, it's it's really horrible, is kind of the end summary of it. We then cut away from the class because we're not actually then gonna spend time in this class to show like relevance. Um, that's far too smart. Where Tally is now out of class and she runs up to General Alder, who is out with the biddies, just uh wandering about, and Tally asks if she can tutor Penelope, the vice president's daughter to get her up to speed for basic. And Alder, again, so weird. The scene was so unnecessary. Like Alder like goes to this weird, like I'm going to give another speech mode. And I was like, please do not. She's like, it's already happening. Here it is. You're all... <laughs> Sorry, I lost my place because it was funny.
1: <laughs> it was funny. Thank you. I pulled the mic away. I'm fucking losing it.
0: <laughs> Where she just looks at Tally. And it's like, you've always been such an empathetic person and I rely on you for that. And I really respect that in you and your character. It's what makes you a grand and wonderful witch. And for these reasons, yes, you have my permission to tutor young Penelope. Alder, you gotta take a break.
1: (laughs) So I think they're just trying to get at you know the biddy bond. That's... It's affecting Alder as much as it's affecting Tally, even though Alder's supposed to be, you know, this impenetrable wall. But I think that's what they're trying to get at. But well, it, like do- I... it does kind of come off
0: weird. Like I said in episode one, I think they're going to try to make a ship out of Tally and Alder, which I am not here for, and I do not want to have happen. But. My joke still landed, so whoa, I care. I'm good with the scene. I was like, no, my joke was great.
1: <laughs> Moving on, just like Alder does, she goes to meet the Hague delegation. I love this scene too because Kalida is there. She apparently wasn't going to be there, so it surprises Alder, and she's like thrown off her game for this whole scene, and it's kind of beautiful to
0: see. Which sounds so horribly mean, but you know what? That's where we're at. I mean, all of season one, what we liked to see was Alder thrown off her game because she's so controlling that when she was like thrown off kilter, it was nice to be like, yeah, that's a win. But now we don't know where Alder is supposed to be on the protagonist spectrum. So it's like, okay, I'm still excited about this because I hate her, but I don't know if I'm supposed to. So maybe I'm just a bad watcher now very strange
1: right bottom line though kalita just wants to be rid of alder she is going to do a world tour um so she can find places for the Tareem to live now that their home has been effed up Alder's like okay well you know you can stay here no i don't think that's a good idea well i'll give you full security no nah, that's okay i don't need your security um Alders' nemesis, whose name I don't know, nor do I know exactly what country she represents. She I is say India. Yeah, but I don't she's really the
0: diplomat of India. Who, again, in season one, we went off on about how much we loved her. So I'm glad she's returned to once again reprise the role as a star. <laughs> well, yeah. So she's
1: gonna um, provide security for Khalida, and it sounds like Khalida's mostly gonna tour
0: India, apparently. Um. Which makes sense because they were originally from what seems like Northeast Asia. So she's yeah. probably going to go towards Southeast Asia, which adds up. Exactly.
1: They sort of move tracks to their conversation. Bring up the, that Black Tenderly sickness disease that almost killed Kalita, killed a couple biddies, etc. They're calling it the Witch Plague. Because it only affects witches, not civilians. Um, Alter tells how the Camarilla used the stolen vocal cords, and it's a good reaction. But like the delegates are very obviously horrified. And I was just like, this this part got me because I was thinking, like, it is traumatic, but they totally lose their game face and are suddenly like on Alder's side I'm like, that's not how they would react. I agree. Like, come on. Especially whose name I can never remember. The India representative is Alder's nemesis on the Hague Council and is suddenly by this one line like super on Alder's side.
0: That's the impression I got. I, I didn't get that impression from her. I got that she was uncomfortable with what was happening in this conversation. Yeah, so I liked the India delegates' reaction more than anything. But also, I don't think this was the full Hague council. I think before, the whole council was like a dozen people. This only looks like six.
1: Yeah, this is a delegation.
0: Okay, cool. Um, so... Usually what we have is there's a few other foils for Alder on the full council. So right now we only have the India delegate who, as we've said before, is our favorite. And she does get uncomfortable when they talk about the witch plague and how it's like stolen vocal cords where she kind of like rubs her own throat, which is kind of a very natural like reaction to things. It's when you say like, oh, I dislocated my shoulder and your friends will start like rubbing their shoulders where they're like, let me just make sure that's still in place. Great. So I thought that worked well, but I also liked that she didn't seemingly back down, especially because she's literally now drawn a line in the sand because she's offering protection to Kalita and Kalita took her up on the offer, which is something that Alder has never been able to get from Kalita is trust. And like almost instantly Kalita's like, this girl here says she'll protect me and take me on this world tour and I'm going to do it because she's not you. And it was like, they're now in this alliance that she can't back out of. And so I was glad that she didn't like outright be like, Alder, how will you save us? It was just like, oh, I'm uncomfortable and going to have to talk about this with other people later. Cool. But also this was like another weird Alder speech moment. Alder got like 10,000 speeches in this episode. Cause then she's like, I'm going to destroy the Camarilla on my territory of the United States. It's your job to take care of your own countries. And I was like, okay. See,
1: that's why I feel like the India representative had a change of heart. Because she suddenly, like, it's true. Yes, she should be very proactive against the Camarilla in her own area. But, like, she just seems very called the action by Alder's speech, speech i'm like that's not how she would react
0: i i wish she had gotten more lines i wish we had done this as a full council meeting instead of a weird like office party because i think we could have gotten better stuff from the internal political structure here because that was really fun stuff in season one we really liked the full hate council so yeah this is just kind of a weird office meeting that i i have no solid thoughts on it was fine it was fine uh we cut away from it to adele and abigail who are kissing well kissers i gotta say it like that as they're kissing
1: they're not just kissing they're full on making out
0: this is some teenage bullshit (laughs) as they are kissing um abigail's tells Adele that it doesn't seem like his uh, mind is fully on what's happening here to which he admits that she's right and he admits to Abigail that Kalita wants him to go with her on this world tour to find a new place for their people and Abigail is kind of saddened by this fact and kind of gives him like time to follow up but he doesn't really know what to say they get off topic for a little bit where Adil asks, asks about uh, Gregorio and how personal of a relationship that was. Valid question. Good question. Thank you, good sir. Uh, to which Abigail answers very well. They have a very healthy relationship. I'm, I'm really on their side right now where she's like, we were supposed to be closer than we were. I really don't feel much for him. It wasn't intimate and he's obviously reassured by it also because apparently he's been eating like breakfast with Gregorio and kind of liked the guy so he's like I kind of wanted to be this guy's friend but not if like you guys had a thing like that would be super awkward valid 100% valid which I loved because it wasn't just like oh he's like jealous of the situation he's like no I kind of like this guy but like where do we stand on liking this guy (laughs) it was really cute it was really fun I really liked it I love Adil I love Abigail they're so cute they're the highlight of the show sometimes this was a fun scene I liked this scene And Abigail also says that she's glad that Adele's making friends. Uh, She's like, yeah, I noticed that you and Gregoria seem to like hanging out, and that's really great. I'm glad you're making friends here. I was like, aw. And she does kind of end it sadly, where she's like, well, if you make a bunch of friends, maybe that's more reason why you'd stay here and not leave with your sister. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Look at me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Abigail. I'm be so sad if they break up because he has to go with his sister. Like, they're, like, the cutest relationship of the show at this point. A great way to create tension, though. I just, uh, I don't want to have, we need, like, one healthy relationship in a show. I'm asking for nah. one. Nah, that's impossible. <laughs> It's That's um, not how real life works. Well, it's kind of like in Witches of East End, where at least like Wendy's relationships have been really cute and fun. So it's like, okay, we got like sweet fun times before we like cut back to the drama. And it's just like we need that break to just take a breath and enjoy the sweetness of the moment before it's like Scylla killed a man. <laughs> Uh, We leave this sweet little sad moment, though, to another well-loved question mark. Tally Alder dream sequence. Fucking A. So, as we said in episode one, Tally has these weird dream connections to Alder that I do not like. But she's back in them, and it's back in the jungle war once more. As I said last episode, it might be Vietnam or Korea or just some random war they made up for the show. I do not know. A spitballing. But she's back in the jungle, and she's once again observing Alder with her comrades. The weird, creepy centipede monsters are not here this time, and it's just like Alder talking to the surviving people for UNIT. And she's talking in particular to this woman who, in the first dream sequence, had smashed the bottle that destroyed the enemy and got the sunpiece to disappear. And she's Alder's kind of reprimanding this woman, but also asking questions about like the bottle spell, the magic that was within, the sound that was used. When Alder kind of finishes on the track that uh, this woman, this comrade, is apparently her power is too wild. And they need to learn to focus it. They then do a weird little battle sequence where they're, like, attacked again. And they fight back with lightning. And it's like, lightning! That's the budget! And uh, then Tally wakes up. Yeah. So, honestly,
1: this lady who threw the jar. I just felt like she was super awkward. Creepy. I don't know. I didn't like the scene. Um, They're hinting at bigger things and I could immediately pick that up but I don't know if it was the acting or like she's really supposed to... I think she was acting how they wanted her to act but I don't think that was the correct way.
0: It was just too weird and awkward. If I could take a guess over what this is which you know, I'm going to. Here's prediction time. I have a feeling this woman who did the bottle spell, whose power is too wild, she's eventually going to come out to be the founder of the spree. Yeah, that's definitely what
1: they're very heavily hinting at. Yeah,
0: but it was like her and Alder were once very close friends, maybe in a relationship. I don't know what they want to hint out with that, but I have a feeling if I could write this arc, it's going to be about how Alder and this woman have a very close intimate relationship, and then alder had the chance to like kill her or something and didn't take it and now alder blames herself for the formation of the spree because it was like her best friend it i if i if i wrote this show that's that's what i'm guessing would occur so when that happens remember i was right we cut away once more from the weird tally dream sequence to major magna verner who has an entrance for the books my god woman
1: yeah which
0: is perfect for her class it was perfect honestly. it was a great moment i had a good time here where it's this older woman major magna verner who like has a cane and she's like kind of hitting it against these concrete stairs as they're in this like underground boiler rooms, there's like hissing and machines whirling around her as she's just slightly yelling from this platform on the stairs to her class about this is her class, welcome to it cadets. And I was like, all right, why'd we waste time in that shitty other class? I wanted to be in this class.
1: Yeah, start to finish, everything having to do with this class. 100%
0: loved it. There was some great stuff here. I don't know if it was all my favorite, but I liked a lot of it. It was fun. Um,
1: Overall, like there's some stupid parts, but two seconds and overall I'm for it.
0: Yeah, I I would agree. Overall is for this. I'm, I'm sad that we seemingly wasted so much time at the beginning of this episode. Cause we're at like the three quarters mark. Like we're about done with this episode when this all ensues. I was like, this could have just been your episode. You didn't have to do all this other shit. Like, I would have just watched this episode and been so content. But that's, once again, I'm not writing this. Um, So we find out that this is, I believe, off canon class. And what it is, is the identification and defense of yourself from certain sounds and spells that will basically warp your perception and your brain as she's describing all this she walks over to her desk and closes like a little musical box and the boiler room disappears around us and we're just in a simple classroom and everyone's like what and it was all an illusion it was cool it was was a cool effect I liked it 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 was we then kind of get a little more explanation on just what the class is before we find out that this is actually magic that is not taught for aggressive maneuvers. It is taught for dispense purposes because this type of magic in particular is mostly utilized by the spree.
1: Well, oh, snap. Is Which is further yeah, further confirmed by Tally specifically asking, hey, is this used by anyone? No, it's just used by the spree. Oh, so my dreams were telling me this is how the restarted started. Yeah. Wow. Real creative there. So wow real quickly, um season one, we kept joking that like we were getting the bad episodes were just the backup writing team needed to take a shift. And I feel like this whole season so far is just backup writing team. Like a <laughs> team fucking left.
0: I think it's like, we we talked about this a little bit in season one, too. We always really like the episodes that are just kind of like about the trio. Like where it's just like, oh, the trio needs to band together to win a trip to town. And it's like, okay, it's fun. Like it's their interactions with one another. We have a set goal and like a little hill for the episode that we're going to conquer. And we get to just have a good time. So far, episodes one and two of this season, I've barely seen Rael. I think she's had one page of dialogue in two episodes. Like, she's barely here. And we're getting so many Alder speeches, it fucking hurts. It's just a joke at this point. And I'm just like, that's why I said we don't need Penelope. Like, we don't need another character. I we don't need Gregorio. I don't know why we introduced him. What the fuck is this kid doing here? I don't want a love triangle. Don't give me a love right. triangle. Like it's we need M. She's saving your show, but it's because we lost Graves. <laughs> yeah, I I am worried for this season. I think. I don't know maybe we'll give it a couple more episodes and do a podcast reconvene of if we'll keep going with it because it is so bad right now like I we started it we have no choice that's a lie it's our podcast we can do what we want I don't like to start things and not finish them that's why you're married and I'm single
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh snap you fucking went there <laughs> Ooh, self-burns those are cool those are rare that's bam
0: <laughs> take that nikki <laughs> uh, wow i'm slightly funny tonight i am reeling on your behalf <laughs> <laughs> i meant what i said uh yes but we will end this scene which is like i said a fine scene where the teacher major magna Verner, then rings the silver bell on the desk and all the students stand up pull like a black hood from their desk put it over their heads and begin to march out dun, dun, dun. i did actually really like this though because it gave that same vibe of the spree attacks where it's everyone like straightens up and goes into like military formation. Like I was really glad we brought that back. I was like, oh, that's a cool thread. That, that was like well-performed.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Very smooth, I like that.
0: They all march out of the room and there's just a hard cut to them waking up in what looks like an attic room of some form. And it's like our main trio, Gregorio, and two randos. And I think M. Is M there? M's not there. I just wanted her to be there. My bad. So, two randos. And in this room, there's just a bunch of clocks. There's also some random puppet dolls. They're kind of creepy. We do a random zoom in on like a clown doll in the corner where I was like, ugh. But it means nothing. So, don't worry about it. They were just proud of that prop. As the crew wakes up, they realize that they are in an exercise to find the source of the sounds and defend themselves against it. And they have to do it, obviously, like within this room as it starts to affect them. This is when we get very artistic, weird, wonky camera angles where everything bends. You hear like the loud tickings of clocks on different tones and different frequencies, which kind of hurts the ears if we're being quite honest. This was like a sensational, painful scene. Like I could not stay in it very long. It kind of hurt the senses. It did, but I liked that.
1: I felt very Alice of Wonderland, and honestly, this whole test, I really liked. This is probably the saving grace of the entire episode in my point of view. I really liked these. It's technically split into two scenes where we go through the dollhouse. I
0: liked parts of it. <laughs> so as they're all looking for the source of the sound which they then have to destroy um abigail grabs i think it's like a music box or a clock or something it's a little box has some gears in it it's very like, small
1: it's like exactly what um
0: the was major on the closed on her desk yeah when she's
1: not the radiator
0: uh so abigail picks it up and is like this is it Tally tells her no, but Abigail just breaks it and slams it against the wall. The wonky effects still continue on the scene, and a door opens to everyone's left, where our two randos run out.
1: Don't go through the door. No. I didn't know their names. what Tally says. Yeah, I don't know who the fuck these people are anyway. Yeah. Like, it seemed like they were just supposed to be
0: their coven, but then it's not. So, IDK. No idea who these kids were. I don't know if this is like Harry Potter and it's like we have classes with multiple houses. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Abigail then kind of clutches her head as the sounds all getting to her, tells Tally to do something. Tally says she is doing something. She's trying to see. And this kind of cuts to Tally's perspective where as we know, Tally is a very talented seer. And she starts to see, like, the lines of magic around her as she examines the room, which is kind of a throwback to back when she used to be able to just, like, scry on things no, no big in Season 1. So I guess we're, we're following that through. Thank God. Uh, Tally leads them to a room outside of this room through a different door. And they are still in the attic, but this room is not full of, like, clocks and years. It is full of creepy as shit dolls. And immediately as they all kind of, like, run into the room, they are attacked by, like, human-sized baby dolls that are just honestly terrifying. Yeah. Uh, they all start to fight them off, win, good job.
1: Woo, I literally wrote down, group house gets creepier fucking
0: dolls <laughs> it's always dolls very true uh these do- and it's also like i mean it was good i'm glad they just did practical effects for it but it's very obviously like adult human people and just like loose fitting white clothes with like yeah. baby doll masks like yeah. it's very the purge almost where i was like ah <laughs> especially when
1: uh like two of these doll people drag specifically uh rail and abigail out through another door and we're just down to gregorio and tally yeah as like chaos still ensues and it's just creepy as fuck
0: i this was another point where i was like yeah this scene was fun i liked a lot of it but i don't care about gregorio he could have honestly left with the randos like it was then like gregorio being like tally what do we do and i was like you're not a part of this yeah, really just to make <laughs> Tally more
1: dramatic for her win.
0: It was just like, I was like, you're not a part of this. I don't care. Like, you're no libba. Get out of here. Um, but yes, Tally for her win does begin to once again see the magical lines. She identifies them running to like a gas lamp kind of on the side of the wall. Goes over, turns the lamp off, and all the illusions fall away. There's, like, no giant dolls or anything. There's just, like, rags and a couple, like, loose tiny dolls around them. As the attic opens up, and they realize they're basically on a stage and that this was indeed all an exercise. And Oh, my gosh. Major Magna Verner comes in very impressed. Uh, She has two randos with her and is like, no one has ever completed the dollhouse the first time round. How did you do this? That's her voice. Just trust me. (laughs) Uh, um, And Abigail says that she could see, excuse me, not Abigail, Tally says that she could see the sound and knew where it was coming from. And to which Major Magna Verner is like, no, no one can do that. She has a great voice, uh, and this is a major Phineas and Ferb moment where Tally's like, "Wait a minute, where's Rael and Abigail?" And we cut to them. <laughs> hey, hey, where's Perry?
1: Right. Good point. Good connections there. Um, so technically, it happens in between dollhouse scenes, but you know, for sake of storyline, we match those together. Um, Quatermain and Scylla at the bar and they're really good at playing drunk is the bottom line. Anna Costi is a star. She really fucking is. So golden. Bonnie I'm so glad we did this. It's kind of a boys club. Shane's like excuse me do you not want to do it anymore? She's like no 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 I like it. It's just it's nice to have female company. Shane's such an asshole. Right. So, like, I'm not necessarily a feminist, but in this scene, I was like, "How? Hi, I don't identify with the movement because psychos have ruined it, but I do identify with some more equality, I guess we'll
0: say. Um, anywho, well, let me say, as a feminist, um, I thought this was like, oh, cool." Is he abusive? I don't know. That was my first thought. I was like, I, if I was a friend in the scene, I would be like, yo, you okay? That's what I was
1: just going into. Like, I'm not a feminist, but this is a red flag. That's, but yeah. Girls can have female friends. Guys can have female friends, too. I mean, honestly. Call them your asses, psycho bitches. Um, but that's a whole other story. So, yeah, red flag. It's okay to have female companionship. It doesn't just have to be like, just because she wants female companionship doesn't mean it invalidates everything you two had together. Calm your tits, dude.
0: He's a jerk.
1: Yeah. Yeah, kind of. So she goes off to, you know, the bathroom.
0: Oh, she makes a swift retreat. Yes. And it is like obviously a retreat where I was like, oh, she's running from this situation real hard.
1: Yeah, she needs a moment to herself so she's going to go to the bathroom.
0: Um,
1: Shane makes some other quip, but Scylla and Rail are still Scylla and Quartermain, wow, are still playing drunk. So I was like, you know, I'm going to go get some more beer. And then he retreats to the bar he immediately sober up it's delightful i think i actually cackled watching this
0: well so anacostia um, literally just pounds a beer like that's why he's like i'm gonna go to the bar she's like "Uh, oh, uh, uh," and she's like pounds like half a glass of beer and it's like yeah and he's like oh get us another round and then she's just immediately like sober as a saint <laughs> i was like i i i want to befriend you so hard <laughs>
1: drinking like blue moons at best i don't like beer nothing i don't like okay but someone who does like beer i'm telling you this is fucking nothing so i can totally see she's totally been milking it even with the pitcher between four people like it's nothing i'm easily impressed apparently um good for you Scylla and Quartermain go back and forth and the bottom line is they don't want to work with each other but they both want to figure out what the fuck the Camarilla are doing if in fact it is the Camarilla behind all this so they have to work together. That's the bottom line. They turn. We see Shane is getting very smoothly but not smooth enough. Like a fat roll of cash and honestly, like, I get that, I, again, I'm a youngish white female, but it's in, like, the gangster role. Like, the total drug kingpin role of cash. And I'm just like, what? what's the point of this? Does it really, is it really easier to hide?
0: Smoother to hand off? Like, what the fuck? I don't get rolling up money. I was actually really confused. By this scene, I I didn't realize at first who was paying off who. I was like, wait, who's paying who and for why? You haven't been paying attention, Nikki. No, because I hated this show. Um, but obviously I did kind of catch up because they then zoomed out and I was like, oh, that's what's going on. You know, based on earlier
1: statements. It's someone from the Camarilla paying off Shane for the next step of their plan. Who really knows? We don't get any more information. Cut on over. Hey, hey, you know how Abigail and Rail were just mysteriously gone? Now they're not. They're waking up in separate chambers, like metal contraptiony chambers. Like iron lung type decompression chamber type chambers isadora is a beautiful person i do really like isadora um very convincingly she is very mad at rail for ruining her research with the mycelium she says a few other things but that's the bottom line as well so she cuts off the air to both the chambers as a punishment like i've worked way too long way too hard how dare you abigail starts you know gasping when rails start to get a little low suddenly a, like a cocoon sprouts up and magically protects her it's a barrier around her she can breathe she's fine and she's glaring through like the little porthole at isadora this is exactly what isadora was trying to make happen Cuts over to Isadora. It's like now several hours later or something like that. It's nighttime. Isadora and Alder are sitting in some chairs by a fireplace, having a nice drink. It's very cozy. Isadora confirms it was Rael all along. Abigail, apparently, and coming out of the chamber, tried to take a swing at Isadora. How dare she pull that shit? I would. I totally agree. But Isidore finds it amusing, and also if I was in Isidore's place, I probably would say the same. Um, tells Alder, Abigail seems sort of disappointed that it doesn't have anything to do with her. Which also I find valid. Alder puts it down as like, well, you know, Bellwether's ever ambitious. Yes, but also, you know, she's had a lifetime of her mother... Putting her down for not being like legitimately the best person in the entire world? Of course she's going to be hurt when suddenly she has something major and it's not actually hers. Just saying. Don't be a dick, Alder.
0: Uh, That's all Alder knows to be.
1: I was just thinking that too. Um, Alder's happy with the results, though, of the test. You know, Isadora thanks her for letting her perform the test Isidora will keep testing Rael to see what other things they can find about disconnection to her and the mycelium I mean so far it just comes out when Rael is too frazzled, too scared oh, I apologize I missed it near the beginning of this scene Um, while still in the chamber, its door calls Rael an abomination, you know, wink wink, nudge nudge,
0: Our title titles. sequence.
1: Boom! <sniffs> I
0: thought it was a stupid call to the title, I was like, ah, oh, that was unnecessary. That's okay. how
1: I felt, but also at the same time, I'm like, I'm glad they actually kind of explained it because they have a lot of titles, and I'm just like, why, why did you call it this? For instance, witch bomb? Like I assume I got it right, but like why? <laughs> yeah. Alder happy, Isidore will continue testing. We have to be careful because Rail is now one of our greatest assets. Like cool, Alder, thank you for not seeing her as a person.
0: Of course not. Who the hell what do you think is Alder no? is? Yeah
1: it's just really disappointing cuz like i feel like i guess it's just because of her biddy connection to tally but like i feel like we get a little more raw emotional side of alder in this episode which was cool to see cuz we don't see that really before and then in this she goes right back to her
0: usual bitch self i think you ride too much on tally being a biddy i think that was stupid But you seem to have really bonded with it and are like, no, no, no. That's why we get to see emotions through them all. Despite the fact that Alder literally drains her biddies of life so she can keep living.
1: True, but I feel like that's how they're trying to set up the biddies. It's a deep, intense emotional connection now that it's been severed. Like Alder had said, they're always going to kind of have that connection, but it's not the same connection. So I feel like they're trying to push this emotional state. And I'm just trying to stick with it.
0: Yeah, you're you're going for the push. I'm fighting against the push. Alright. Trio's
1: eating dinner together. Rayle is pissed the fuck off. Abigail's just sort of depressed, to be
0: honest. She's emotional.
1: Yeah. She's quiet. Obviously sad. But, um... I don't even know what Rail said. She's just pissed the fuck
0: off. (laughs) Um, So I actually did like this because Rail's fucking pissed. And then Tally's like, well, at least we discovered it and everything. And Rail's like, why do we all spontaneously like Alder again? I don't trust her and I don't trust this army. I trust two people here and it's you two. And I was like, thank you, Rail. Yeah, that was the only line
1: I wrote down. Rail only trusts Abigail and Tally now.
0: Thank God. You know, like I'd be so pissed if Rail was like, "I don't know, I love Alder so much." I'd be like, "What the fuck is happening to this show?" Tally asked Rail, "Well, how did it feel?"
1: She was excited and scared and feeling that powerful, but it also felt totally out of her control, which is. Kind of disconcerting. But it was really cool. Rail notices that Abigail's pretty down. Asks her what's up. Because she's, you know, they're bonded. They can do this. They're a group. I just felt like it was a little force of the scene. That's why I'm saying it like that. In <laughs> case you didn't catch it. Um, Abigail says she's just tired. And walks off cut over to Scylla and Riel's mom talking about Quartermain almost unnecessary scene it basically all boils down to well we both do kind of have a common goal there's not a whole lot we can do about it just stay the course play it as it comes be wary of Quartermain
0: but keep on moving yeah, that's literally my note for that scene is Scylla and mom have a quick catch up. That's the end of that note for that scene.
1: <laughs> I literally wrote, uh, Scylla and mom talk about Q.
0: Scylla will stay the course,
1: but be wary.
0: Well, you wrote more than me. So uh, we cut away from that useless scene. To... Abigail, who's walking up some stairs to supposedly go to her dorm to go to bed, when she runs into little Kalita, our little sister. Uh, Kalita asks if she could talk to Abigail. Abigail says she was just going to go to bed. If Kalita wants to join her. Kalita says, nope, it's going to be quick. We can talk right here. And she tells Abigail that she has agreed to allow Adele to stay at Fort Salem while she wanders uh, doing her world tour to find a new home for their people. Abigail is obviously really excited because she wants to spend more time with Adil and she's like, oh my god, that's so great, that's so much fun. And Kalita then kind of burns this excitement pretty quickly when she's like, I just want you to know that this isn't permanent. Once we find a new home, Adil will be recalled back to us and he will always choose his people first, just as you will always choose your people first. And walks away, just leaving poor little sad Abigail in her tracks. I was like, Abigail's had a day. Poor, poor girl. I wanted to give her a hug. And we cut away from sad, emotional little Abigail to Penelope and Tally. As Tally is starting to finally tutor Penelope, as she asked very weirdly of uh, Alder. And they're back in, like, that kind of museum area of their school where, like, we first learned about the biddies and they did that, like, cool dog tag thing that we'll never replicate again because that was too cool. And basically, Penelope's like, I don't know how I'll ever catch up. And Tally's like, we'll start at the beginning. Let's start with General Alder because I'm obsessed with her. And she starts talking about Alder and... Penelope asks if Alder is actually 300 years old or if that's a lie. Talik kind has of smiles and chuckles and giggles. It's like, oh well, she is 300. don't I know for sure <laughs> And Penelope then says something that I really liked. I was like, oh, this is actually intrigue that her dad, the vice president, doesn't trust General Alder because he believes someone who lives that long, and seemingly can keep living that long, has no connection to people or humanity after that much time. That's, that's, that's super interesting. I really wish we'd go into that more. Um, I don't think we will. But I was like, that's intrigue. I would watch that show. Um, we're, we're not going to though. Tally then gets like super upset by this. Is like, well, I just, you don't know her like I do. Tally, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. I'm so disappointed in Tally's character this season. They then kind of keep walking and find this photo on the wall that's framed of General Alder and a troop unit in front of a helicopter that looks like has like a woman in robes painted on the side. And this is the troops and the units and the mission from Tally's dreams. These are the people wow. who are going to go into the jungle and fight the centipedes. OMG. What? So Tally starts investigating the photo and is like, oh my goddess, it can't be my dream. And Penelope's just kind of left in the background because we don't really need her anymore for this scene. And she's like, what's this photo? And Tally's like, I don't know. Shut up. Um, We don't need her anymore for this scene. So she's going to be in the background. And as Tally approaches the photograph, she's like, it's so familiar. I feel like I can see it. Like, I've been here before. And as she gets close to the photograph, you can see that, like, a corner of the photograph that was, like, empty terrain before, the shape of the woman who did the bottle spell, whose magic was too wild, begins to form. And Tally's like, it can't be. Someone's trying to cloak this soldier from my vision. Why? And then we end the episode and I was like, Stupid. They're creating intrigue so we can have more episodes. Why the hell put that photo up if you're gonna put like a cloaking spell on it? It's your museum. Take it down. Because there's other people to celebrate in that photo. Okay. Put Anywho. Up their individual photos. Be like this is a collage of the people on this that takes up more space fuck that shit yeah it doesn't <laughs> we had the- yes it does it's her museum how does she care how much space she takes up there is so much uh, empty space in there it's not made by her uh There's it's curators her Fort there they
1: to- okay anywho so i feel like the whole reason we have penelope is literally just so we could say why her dad doesn't trust alder
0: yeah i agree that was it i agree but like I'm kind of disab- like I think that's interesting. and I'm ex- I would love to watch that plot of like, if you live that long and have that much power, are you really connected to humanity or your fellow people you're supposed to protect? Because I feel like that's kind of what we were identifying in season one, which was really cool, was like Alder doesn't actually care about any of these people that are under her orders. But we already had that political intrigue with the literal president. Having it with the vice president feels like a step down. Yeah. We had it with the president and the president lost. She'll puppet. That's that's the answer to this. Like, it's not like this entry cannot end with like the BP being like, I'm going to tell the world and doing so. It's like, that's so stupid. We literally had that plot already and they failed so also, obviously
1: we're not gonna have exactly that but but i feel like we are intrigued. well we will see we will see
0: all right yeah, yes
1: long episode for not a whole lot happening and yes. i can't believe it's only episode two so let's say final thoughts let's just cut over to our deep dive uh which is astral protection so we don't have much for this to be honest um Neither of us can do it. I certainly can, at least. I don't know if Nikki has. I have once in my entire life. So, technically, from experiences I've recorded, technically, I've astral projected, but it's not like a conscious thing. It's more, I don't know. It was like funky dreams, and then... Ouija board, spirit board, scrying type confirmational of events. Um, I had a friend that could much easier astral project, but try not to because it was disconcerting. Um, So astral projection, sorry, we'll start with that, is more basically just an out-of-body experience what it's often used for um there is the you know because science loves to try and quantify out-of-body experiences and near death brushes and of course they haven't really come up with necessarily a ton but i did discover that apparently um this can be between science and witchcraft defined in two terms so astral projection is like an alteration of your time perception so like you could travel forward in time back in time through the different realms etc there's an etheric projection which is like you're still in our physical world but you're just physically out of your body so third person perspective basically more people experience this etheric third person than astral again like i haven't consciously done it but from everything that i'm aware of astral projection it's because you're leaving your body so it's easiest to you know meditate i know i harp a lot on meditation as a gateway but it works best for me i find it to be really grand i hope everybody does it that's why i'm telling you sorry i'm a broken record (laughs) um it's all about lowering your your guard so to say inhibitions i almost said standards but it's not lowering your (laughs) standards so just lower your
0: standards in life um, astral project all over the place right I was also trying to find like a
1: quick little blurb on the internet about astral projection and came across this one part of like astral projection's not real because it lights up the part of the brain that also lights up when you're doing like ketamine and (laughs) that's a couple other drugs and I was like okay great Uh, so like internally because honestly I talk to myself a lot I'll be super honest right now I'm not insane I go to therapy
0: for all of y'all suddenly worried. Shove it. There's also a lot of studies out there that's like talking to yourself about like daily things is actually very normal. It's just your reassurance of creating like the pathways to remember what you need to do that day. So if you're like, oh, today I need to go to the store and like pick up like cheese, cereal and milk and bread. And if you say that to yourself, you're much likely to remember it and actually achieve those goals than if you like keep that in your head.
1: Mine is much more than that. But
0: alright. <laughs> uh,
1: anywho. We're not going to get into my uh, psychopathy at the moment. I'm very curious though. Uh, uh, we'll go into the South then. So it got me thinking, you know, talking to myself. Does it matter if it lights up the same parts as when you're activated by drugs? Because I have said before, first of all, we put up these barriers. You're not necessarily always meant to access the other realms. Because, you know, our brains can't really comprehend that shit. It can be traumatic. There are other realms for a reason. That's why children tend to see more things. Adults don't children have less barriers and of course drugs bring down those barriers so I'm not really surprised that it lights up the same areas but also like it brings up this interesting point of who's to say it isn't real I mean and then it launches into well is schizophrenic episodes real because they experience it like it is but at the same time that's a whole rabbit hole and I'm totally diverging away from astral projection but I'm just saying there's a common thread we really could have an hour long discussion that's purely theoretic on all of this I think it's real in both the actual astral and the etheric um guided astral projection is a thing there are again certain meditations you can follow there are spell work out there it's more advanced magic so again witchcraft is a muscle you have to work it this is not something you're gonna achieve early on you're probably gonna fail several times before you can get it right i'm just saying don't get discouraged if there's something that calls to you Do it. But not a whole lot of people effectively can.
0: I have to get you a shirt that says that. Like, witchcraft is a muscle. You have to work it. Because I don't think there's a single episode we've had where you have not said that.
1: There's a few because we've gone over basic
0: magics. (laughs) You still bring it up. I do because it's true. Do you disagree? (laughs) No, I'm just saying, guys, I got to get you that on a shirt. Let's do it. Let's put this on the Instagram
1: i feel like i just felt so old saying so that the instagram <laughs> put it
0: on the instagram <laughs> tick tock about it Ugh. uh do you have anything else
1: not really all right um, weird psycho rant
0: over i so i've tried astral projection. I have, what I say, solidly done it once, maybe twice. Um, The time that I consider I solidly did it the most was through very deep meditation. I'm not going to lie. It was very weird. It was seriously just kind of looking down on myself, sitting in my room,
1: meditating
0: it was very strange. I, I, I also just didn't know what to do with that kind of information. Like you're just like, Oh, your hair looks weird. And, uh, I, it was very, it was very disconcerting, but I think that was like the main time where I was like, I did successfully through meditation, astral project once. the weirdest, I would say out of body experience I had kind of focused around it had to do with, um, like choices leading to an event where I was at a like dance thing at my college. And I was staying with my friends at the time and some people I actually knew from my freshman year of college sat down next to us. And I was like, Hey, we used to hang out. And they were like, yeah, there's like a couple dancers who are our friends here who were in that club. We tried to get you to join with us freshman year. And I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't. Crazy. But then I just, like, had this weird moment where I was, like, a lot of choices I could have made in my seemingly early college life, no matter which way I would have gone, uh, led me to attending this weird dance theater thing. And I was like, oh, that's so... It was, like, very weird because I definitely, like, faded out from people for a while where they're like, is she okay? Because I just went really quiet and got, like, really glassy-eyed. As I realized that like, if I hadn't like made these friends or if I had stayed with those friends or gone to that club meeting, or I actually knew some of the dancers that you're talking about that way too, if I'd befriended them instead of befriending these friends and gone to that meeting instead of this meeting or taken that class, like I was planning to before I got waitlisted, I still would have ended up right back in that chair in that moment. And that was just very strange where I was like, how the hell did it all lead up to me just like seeing an art performance? Was cosmic need. Uh, that was my second kind of like out of body, I guess, experience. That was just like a weird time, choice, free will spiral I went down. Uh, for deep meditation, though, as you said, it's it's very difficult. It's very pre advanced magic. At that point, I think I had been practicing deep meditation for about three years when I had my experience. Uh, Similar to a lot of other psychic and meditation spells, you know, the basics are recommended purple candles, white candles, lavender, some salt, some sage, relaxing spot, some incense, uh, maybe like some water, or the sound of water on an app or in a white noise machine playing. Those kind of things are very useful. As you said, there's a lot of guided meditations you can use for them as well. And I think that's about all I have for my advice on that. I was not a super big fan of it. It, I found the experiences kind of weird and was like, I don't know what to do with this information. Now that I have this information, it's not applicable seemingly to my everyday life. So I'm just gonna bounce out on that. And that's about all I got. So as you're going through, I remembered
1: one time what I did astral project like intentionally deep meditation was just trying for like any sort of mission and it worked out and when i was done like had a little story but also came out with part of a spell that i have held on to for like it's been like 12 years now wow 10 years so it's been a while and i was just trying to find it in my little spell book and i Have too much shit there. (laughs) I can't find it at the moment. Not gonna tell the full astral projection episode, but it ended up with we'll say a being telling me to remember this phrase, and so I remember like chanting it to myself, thinking I was gonna forget as I'm like waking up from the meditation.
0: Well, I think that's all we have for astral projection. Um, Unless you have anything more, I think that's. Are we're gonna wrap it up okay cool so we are witches on the couch watching our somewhat shitty shows uh drinking our drinks jade what have you been drinking this week
1: i went with a very
0: light red
1: wine garnacha also known as garage uh depending on who you ask between the french and the spanish because they argue a lot um So I got a free bottle from work because someone was trying to open it for a customer and broke the cork and I'm getting pushed down in, but like we saved the bottle instead of dumping it. So it was like two pours, little floaty cork bits were gone. It's been great ever since. So, you know, the cork and the wine never hurt anyone. Yeah, it was fine. It's been great. It was quite enjoyable because it's really, again, a really light red. It's been really hot and humid lately in Texas, and this week a little less humidity overall. But I think it's been like it chilled us a little bit. It's been perfect for Texas weather lately. Very happy with it. Nice. So, uh, Nikki, though, which oh, is on the couch. What are you drinking?
0: Uh, so I am sadly out of wine. I just came back from like a week trip. So I have not gotten a chance to go to the grocery store. I have been kind of scavenging around, but I do have some uh, liqueurs and liquors around. So I made something I found online. That's a uh, lemon cello margarita. It's basically like making a margarita, but you just throw in some lemon cello instead of like the lime or the melon liqueur you'd be using or anything. It was fine. I wouldn't say it was my favorite. I like limoncello. I think it's delicious, but I mean, it and tequila. It's no lime and tequila, so it was fine. I, I drank it. It got me as my reward for this, this horrible, horrible episode we had to watch, and I'd call that a champion. I mean, it sounds good to me. You like lemon more than I do, though. I do. I do. Yeah.
1: I'm obsessed with lemon.
0: Yeah, we've had that talk multiple times. I'm much more of a lime girl. It's the superior citrus. Well,
1: moving on. Y'all, it gets dark sometimes. It's okay. It happens. It sucks. I want to let you know that if you get so deep down dark that you're contemplating suicide, do not ever. It's so hard to talk about it, but please do. One resource, you can call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. You can also now text 24 seven crisis helpline, you know, text help to 741-741. Or you can walk into an ER tell them you're having suicidal ideations and they can check you in and get you someone to speak to again so hard to talk about it so better after you do baby steps really are
0: steps in the right direction though thank you everyone for joining us on this episode as chaotic and <laughs> spiteful as it may have been <laughs> We still tried to have a good time, even if the material was not on our side for such a good time. So, thank you for listening during this day, morning, evening, night, whenever you tend to be listening to podcasts these days. If you want more of us for reasons, uh, we're also on Instagram. You can follow us where we're just witches on the couch. We mostly just post uh, little witchy things or updates on the episodes. So, nothing too bombarding of you guys, but hey. That can be a good time as well. So thank you once again for listening to us and getting through this episode with us. And we will see you all next time. Bye, you guys.
1: Bye.